world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today, only at LipstickBodyguard.com. This week on Parents Are Hard to Raise, health and wellness expert Dr. Felice Gersh is back with more great advice to keep our aging parents and us living our lives to the fullest. Join 180 million monthly subscribers who can now listen to Parents Are Hard to Raise on Spotify. Welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert, Diane Berardi. Longtime listeners will definitely recognize my next guest, mostly because she's among my favorite guest medical experts. Dr. Felice Gersh is a true pioneer in her field, a rare combination of an award-winning physician, double board certified, both in OBGYN and integrative medicine and a tireless champion of women's health. She holds degrees from Princeton University, the University of Southern California School of Medicine, and the University of Arizona School of Medicine. Dr. Gersh serves as medical director of the Integrative Medical Group of Irvine, California. She also writes and speaks internationally on integrative medicine and women's health. You can hear her weekly broadcast, A Healthy Perspective, on KRLA Radio AM 870 in Los Angeles. Felice, welcome back to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Well, thanks for inviting me. It's always such great fun to be here with you. Oh, well, we love having you, and you're always an amazing wealth of cutting-edge information. So tell us, what do you have for us this week? Well, I want to talk about the over-medication of the elderly. And of course, it's not just the elderly. It could be the parents um, have their kids have a, a very high array of medications that they're taking as well. But the elderly are especially vulnerable yeah. to what we call polypharmacy, being on many, many medications at the same time. And it's really an epidemic going on right now. Really? Absolutely. In fact, the elderly make up a very large percentage of the hospitalized patients. Right. And they're often prescribed medications while they're in the hospital, often such things as acid blockers and sleeping pills and even like tranquilizers and when they leave they're often prescribed the medications to go home with and their doctors at home just continue them so they end up on a lot of medications that they maybe didn't even need in the first place right. but they certainly don't need them after they're discharged and then many patients when they're elderly have many different doctors that they go to see and each doctor prescribes yeah. a couple of medications and before you know it there are like a dozen or more. In fact, I was reading an article recently where they looked at patients coming into the hospital, and then while they're in the hospital, yeah. when they look at all the medications, it's in the 30s. <laughs> Can oh you my gosh! And then they go home and they have this great array of pills, and they don't even know what to do yeah, with them. Yeah, exactly. And the incidence of medication complications yeah. with overdoses and side effects 
actually often, sadly, you know, even terminal, fatal kinds of complications from medications is really on the rise. So I want everyone to really think about what medications their elderly parents are taking and, and really what is the point of them and how they interact. Right, exactly. We had talked about this with Dr. Doug Oliver from Canada, so it's not just a U.S. problem. Actually, it's interesting, they're, they're one of the wonderful countries that keeps track of this is New Zealand. Really? And they have actually a, a data registry where they keep track of the drugs that everyone is on because of their national health system, and especially the elderly. And they do scans of this on a regular basis, and they're finding atrocious findings, really. <laughs> that the, so it's, it's really a worldwide problem. Anywhere where you have, um, we'll say, a very upscale healthcare system. Right. And yeah. then of course in some countries people can buy all kinds of things over the counter. Right. So it's a, an additive problem from what's prescribed officially to what people are self prescribing. And of course in this country too, look at the vast array of medications that you can go to your local pharmacy and just buy over the counter with no advice given. Yeah, it's very true. You know, I even look at with my my mother keeps saying to me, and she's really not on a lot of medications, but different things are being added to try to control, you know, different problems she's having right now. And she just keeps saying to me, too many pills, too many pills, <laughs> you know, and then she'll just not take anything, you know, because she's like, I'm not taking them. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So it, it really can create havoc either way. Oh, absolutely. So sometimes people, they just throw their hands up and yeah. say, I can't handle all these pills, so I'm not going to take any. Or they look and they'll say, you know, I'll take that one today. And right. I'll take that one tomorrow. Yes. And right. they don't really um, understand some of these medications, if you stop taking them abruptly, can have serious withdrawal effects as well. Right. So it's, it is complicated. And, and then on top of the prescription medications, the over-the-counter medications, then right. you have your supplements, right? Right. So, you're t and so, I mean, you could have, there's no pill um, case that's big enough. Right. You end up having to have like 20 pill cases and trying to label them and keep track of them. And it's, it's really, it's funny and it's a disaster yeah. all at once. And it's such a common problem no matter where we live. Absolutely. There's, uh, it doesn't matter the, even the socioeconomic level, right. because in the U.S., anyone who has access to a pharmacy or has access to a doctor or multiple doctors is typically getting prescribed medication. And it you know, sadly goes back to the underlying medical education system in the country where doctors are really taught the pill to the ill philosophy, yeah. which I, I speak against all the time. I mean, there are some definitely life-saving medications out there, pharmaceuticals, that have changed the, the entire course of, of what could be terminal diseases or chronic diseases with great suffering. So there certainly are some amazing pharmaceuticals. But there's also a tremendous overuse of pharmaceuticals for lifestyle problems. So it's like, you know, you've seen the advertisements on television where, oh, you know, eat all this horrible food and get right. heartburn. Well, you can prevent it. Just take these pills. And it's like, wait a minute, stop eating all that horrible food, right. you know, and eat healthy food. And then your GI tract will start functioning so much better. So we have a system that's really 
pushing even the doctors to think, what pill shall I prescribe for this patient when people come in for appointments? Yeah. And, and patients often expect a pill. Yep, they, exactly. they expect a prescription. And if a doctor says, well, let's talk about your lifestyle. What are your stressors? And what time do you go to bed? And what kind of environment do you have in your bedroom? And what food are you eating? And what times are you eating? And like going really, and you know, what about your movement? Are you sitting all day? Or are you exercising? And, and really sitting there and going over these very critical lifestyle pieces of the puzzle of what make people sick or well, right. they're not really doing that. And, and if they did, the patient might say, can you just please give me a pill? You're <laughs> you know, right. I don't, I don't want to change, you know, any of these things. And so we have to really change the whole way we approach health and wellness and illness as well. And also when a medication is prescribed, maybe a really needed medication, it doesn't mean it's prescribed for life. But sometimes doctors just, you know, some other doctor that the patient may have seen yeah. prescribed something and the doctor doesn't really want to change what somebody else prescribed. Right. So they just keep prescribing it. I can give you an example. I have this really lovely woman patient who moved because she, she didn't really want to, but she was getting elderly. I mean, elderly, she was about 95. Oh, okay. and <laughs> she was living on her own in New York, oh. and her family lived in California, and they finally convinced her that it was time to give up her home and move into assisted living, yeah. and, and she did. And when she came, she came with all the medications that the many doctors were prescribing for her back in New York, and then she came to me as a patient, and here she is, 95, and yeah. now she's over 100, and she's doing amazingly well. Wow. And basically, little by little, I just took her off almost all of the medications. I think she's left on about two medications and about six supplements. Wow. But um, because, you know, she's elderly and has more digestive issues, and but yeah. we can treat a lot of that just with uh, certain vitamins and digestive enzymes and so on. And so she's she's doing remarkably well, but I got her off of about 12 different pharmaceuticals. Wow. And she, it made her feel so much better. And, and there are actually geriatricians out there, doctors who specialize in the care of the elderly, and what they spend most of their time doing when they first get to know a yeah. patient is weaning them off of all the pharmaceuticals that they're on. Yeah. Uh, you know, we took my dad to Dr. Jacobs, who we had on the show, and that's what she started to do. You know, and my father said, oh, she wants to take me off my asthma medication. Maybe I don't have asthma anymore, you know, or maybe, but, you know, I don't think I do anyway, you know, and it's true. I mean, he's been on these medications probably for 30 years and no one kind of evaluates, I guess, you know, he goes to so many different doctors or whatever. Exactly. And it's funny that you brought up the asthma medication. There was just a study about a week ago. I mean, this is a little disappointing that said that the uh, inhaler type asthma, yeah. the combinations with the steroids, yeah. that they actually are no better than placebo. So it's like, what? Wow. You know, and how many people are on them? And many of these drugs, you know, the way that they're tested, it's uh, sometimes a little iffy as well. So <clears throat> definitely time to take a look at every single pill that your elderly parents are taking and review it with maybe more than one doctor 
to say really yeah. what's not and not just do I need to have this be on the the list of drugs, but how about the dose? That's the other thing. Okay, like many many elderly patients are on blood pressure drugs. Right, of course that's so common and one of the common ones that's prescribed, which is also for helping with a very rapid heartbeat. For example, many elderly people have atrial fibrillation right. as well. And so many are on drugs called beta blockers. Okay. And these drugs can be given in much higher doses in younger people. But often the dose doesn't get changed as the people are getting elder, more and more elderly right. and they're having more difficulty metabolizing these medications. And they're very clearly associated with hypotension when the patient stands up they, their blood pressure doesn't adjust and it gets too low. Wow. They get lightheaded and fall. Yeah. And we all know what happens when elderly right. people fall and break bones. The statistics are so, you know, really gruesome. The high percentage that do not survive at one year after fractures right. occur. It's like about a third do not even survive one year and about 50% never, never get back the mobility and the independence that they had prior to the fracture. Right, you're right. And also, like, I look at my mom now, she's on, she probably is on a, I believe, a high blood pressure medication, but that was also probably her dosage prescribed when she was 30 pounds heavier, right? Her that weight? That too, right, right. So every time a patient comes into the doctor, really their entire medication list need to, needs to be reviewed. So we have a policy in my office that every patient needs to either with them by themselves or have a family member help them to go on the computer and make a list of every medication and every supplement that they okay, take right. and the dose that they're taking it because how else can I evaluate it? There's sometimes that's a real problem for doctors. If patients come in and they yeah. say, I'm on a medication that somebody else is prescribing and I don't know what it is. Right. Like, how right. am I going to like, well, now this is really interesting. How am I? Or, <laughs> you know, sometimes one step better, they say I'm on this medication, but I have no idea what my dose is. Yeah. Which, you know, becomes another challenge for me as the doctor trying to help them when I have no idea exactly what they're taking. So it's really important for patients and their family members to be advocates for them by making these lists and then saying, you know, doctor, please, like, let's just do a quick review. Maybe I don't need to take or she or my dad doesn't need to take all these medications or maybe the dose needs to be adjusted. I definitely... And we're going to continue talking with Dr. Felice Gersh. But first, if you're a woman or there's a woman in your life, there's something you absolutely need to know. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only 5 feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her 6 foot 4, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless-looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. 
Inside this innocent looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000 pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. Were you ever young? You're listening to Parents Are Hard To Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes on demand using the iHeartRadio app. iPhone users can listen on Apple Podcasts and Android users on Google Podcasts. Want a great new way to listen to the show? Have an Amazon Echo or Dot? Just say, Alexa, play Parents Are Hard To Raise podcast. Getting the latest episode of Parents Are Hard To Raise. Here it is from iHeartRadio. It's as simple as that. You're right, Dolly. There are so many really cool new ways to listen to our show. It's hard to keep track. You can join the 180 million listeners on Spotify. You can listen in your car, at the gym, or pretty much anywhere on your smartphone with Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You can get us on Apple TV, DirecTV, Roku. And like Dolly said, you can even ask Alexa to play the show for you. It's great because you don't have to be tied to a radio anymore. You can listen when you want, where you want, for as long as you want. And if you're listening to the show in one of these new ways, please do me a big favor. Share this new technology. Help someone else learn about the show and show them a new way to listen. Felice, I found it um, interesting. My father... I was saying uh, he went to Dr. Jacobs and in her paperwork, you could list her sup- uh, your supplements that you take, but she asked you to bring your medication bottles with you. And, you know, my father was like, no one ever told me to do that before. <laughs> you know? Well, that's not a bad idea, actually, because sometimes if you look at the fine print, they're expired yeah, or exactly. never... Right, or somebody actually accidentally took from one bottle and put to another, and it's like, how come you have like three different colors in this one? So that's not a bad idea, especially as people may have more and more bottles and may, you know, get mixed up with them and, and not actually look at expiration dates and such. Yeah. So you suggest, obviously, a family member every time they go to the doctor either. I guess, bring their parents' medication with them or have a list. Exactly. And should they say to the doctor, can we review my mom's meds? I, I believe so. And if, you know, if, if you were just there a very brief time ago, maybe right. you could do it, at, you know, like quarterly, sure. something like that. But we'll say, certainly, if a patient goes in every three months, I think every three months is a reasonable time to take a look at it because obviously things change. Right. And one of the things I thought we could do 
is maybe talk about some of the specific types of medications Perfect. that you should be looking at. I, I mentioned the beta blockers, and beta blockers can be very, very important, but you've got to look at the dose. And at a certain age, it may be best to even eliminate them altogether. Another are the, the class of medications that they call diuretics okay. that are so prevalently used. And they can also create a lot of problems because they're washing out a lot of the critical minerals of the body. And a lot of people know potassium. If right. a, a medication such as hydrochlorothiazide is prescribed, that it can deplete the body of potassium. But it's not just potassium. It's actually magnesium and zinc and other critical minerals that the body needs. So maybe that's not really necessary. Sometimes those medications are prescribed for something that isn't exactly a serious medical problem. Like someone will say, my ankles get a little swollen. Right. Well, maybe that's not really a justification for taking a medication that can have really serious side effects as well as hypotension as well. So like really talk to the doctors about diuretics. The other would be like the acid blockers that I touched on because they're so commonly prescribed. <clears throat> and actually as people age, the acid production in their stomach goes down, not up. And ah. but acid <sighs> reflux does go up quite significantly. So we have to, we don't want people to get ulcers or be uncomfortable, right. but we have to look at maybe if they need something, they could take something that's a little bit safer, actually, in the long run, like like um, Zantac, right? So that's a it, it works on a different way than it completely blocks the stomach acid. And then looking at the time of eating and how much is being eaten and the food choices can also make a very big difference in terms of helping with acid reflux because the reality is that blocking all of stomach acid is, yeah. is really not changing the reflux. That's why about one third of people taking these medications don't really have much relief because it's not blocking reflux, it's just blocking acid production. And the remaining materials in the fluid can be irritating in and of themselves. So we want to look at other ways to try to deal with it. And there are some supplements that can help. Even chewing on a special form of licorice can actually help. And drinking teas like ginger tea and chamomile tea can be very beneficial. So we have to look at each individual case, but definitely bring that one up right. with the doctors as well. And then pain pills, ah. because so many elderly people have had fractures, of course, which right. can create chronic pain and osteoarthritis. And these are very significant issues, of course, because pain is a problem. But we know there's also an opioid addiction problem right. and that is actually involving the elderly as well. And many elderly are given codeine products just constantly. And that, of course, can increase falls and change the GI tract in such huge and negative ways. You know, now they have drugs for opioid-induced constipation. And we know constipation is such a problem for the elderly. Right. So the, the, the constant prescribing of opioids really has to stop. But then what's happened is sometimes the doctors say, okay, we won't give that to you anymore. But then they replace it with very significant amounts of NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories okay. like Aleve and, and right. Advil and Mobic. And those medications have very negative effects on the GI tract as well and, and can induce ulcers. Jeez. And also tr in just three days can triple the risk of getting a heart attack or a stroke. So those medications have a lot of serious problems as well. And they're prescribed like to very elderly people and sometimes very high quantities. So we have to look at other ways for pain control and often just getting 
on a higher dose of omega-3, which can be very anti-inflammatory. And curcumin can be very helpful and boswellia. So there are these anti-inflammatory herbals that can be very helpful as well. And then a new class of supplement that are called specific pro-resolving mediators, which are actually derived from fatty acids, but also help. And then the one that a lot of people are self-prescribing, and yeah. I'm not against it, but I like everything to be sort of cleared and overseen by a medical professional, and that's using hemp-based cannabis, right? Right. right. So, but that can be, and that's the, the government itself wants to help get people off of opioids and elderly people off of all the NSAIDs, and it's actually better and safer. And I say hemp because it doesn't have any significant amount of the THC, which can be the mind-altering component. Right. And so you have to really think of these as very different. But once again, it really should be supervised by a medical professional who knows what to do and how to dose it because, you know, everything has its potential. And right. the medical um, hemp-based cannabis can be very sedating. So, and that's why it can help with sleep. And that's the other kind of category of sleeping pills. So but we really want to be very cautious in using these and hopefully have someone who can really supervise and help to wean off of some of the, the pain medications or make changes and, and include herbals and plant-based and you know fatty acids, such as omega-3s that can really help and making sure that the Every person has an adequate amount of vitamin D, which also helps with pain control. Ah, right. Okay. So, yeah, these are things that, and, and also people don't think, you know, when you're talking about acid reflux, lifestyle changes, the time of eating or different things like that, we just kind of look for a pill. Right. That seems to be the go-to for just about everything. And as I mentioned, sleep and the sleeping pills. And, yeah. and I've had patients and it breaks my heart because something happened, like, you know, a spouse died or yeah. there was some other very major event in their lives. And they were very anxious. Yes. You know, anxiety is a huge problem at every age, right. you know, and especially in the elderly. And so then they were given a combination of a sleeping pill and a tranquilizer oh or just higher amounts of tranquilizers to be used as sleeping pills, which is actually not a good thing at all. And tranquilizers in the elderly actually, especially Xanax, I yeah. want to mention, they have a very short um, half-life. So people can get elderly can actually get withdrawal to it and that makes them feel more anxious oh my and then gosh. they're given more so you can see this yeah. is like a you know the spiral down right when they're given more because they're actually having withdrawal and of course none of the underlying reasons for the anxiety are really right. being addressed and maybe it's they're lonely or maybe they're they really don't know about something they're a little confused and they right. need some help in some other area but there are a lot of elderly people on tranquilizers and also what are called atypical antipsychotics. And the FDA came down on this saying, don't do this. Right. You know, stop giving Seroquel, for example, and Respiradol right. to the elderly because it really alters their mind. It makes them very unstable on their feet. And yet it's given all the time for trying to calm down their agitation and yeah. such and with very terrible effects. And we want, and also using like trazodone for sleep, 
um, which is not an atypical antipsychotic. It's a type of what's called a tricyclic antidepressant, but it's used off-label for sleep in the elderly all the time. Wow. And it also has a lot of potential side effects like constipation and increasing cardiovascular events. And it's really not approved for sleep, but it's used a lot, a lot for, sleep. for that. And so we have to look for other ways to help people to sleep, like making the room dark, but maybe having a red light as, as a nightlight. A lot of elderly, they, they're afraid because they get up during the night right. and they have bright white yes. lights on in the room. And then they can't possibly get proper sleep. And so we have to light the room, look for tripping hazards and making sure maybe a little red light in the bathroom or a motion sensor light, you know, so Perfect. that it only goes yes. on with certain forms of motion that will help trigger them. Because so many elderly, and I know my mom did this because she would just get worried and think about things during the night. So she had the television playing all night long yes. while she was sleeping. And, you know, I don't actually have a problem with sort of like noise in the background. Sometimes that's very soothing for people, but the light coming off of a television screen is especially harmful for sleep and they people can't get the proper melatonin production even as the light comes through the eyelids. It actually affects the quality of sleep. And then you know, we know that anyone who's chronically tired is going to start having anxiety and agitation and right. confusion. And so this is a very, very common problem is leaving lights on, leaving televisions on, and then giving sleeping pills on top of that. So right. you know, these are all the things that really need to be explored with the doctors for the elderly parents. No, this is perfect because we as children, we don't know what we should do. So this was very enlightening for all of us. Well, it's a universal problem and, and one that we can all tackle and make a big dent in. Perfect. Thank you so much, Felice. And could you tell us how people can find you? Well, sure. I have a practice in Irvine, California called the Integrative Medical Group of Irvine. And uh, it's easy to Google and find me. And my website is integrativemgi.com for my practice. And Felice Elgersh, MD, is where I post a lot of articles and blogs and videos that I've done. Thank you so much. Parents are hard to raise family. I love getting your emails and questions, so please keep sending them. You can reach me at Diane at ParentsAreHardToRaise.org or just click the green button on our homepage. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a CounterSync Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast engineer is Well Gambino. And from our London studios, the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. We love our parents, but parents sure are hard to raise. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, may you forget everything you don't want to remember. And remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week.